We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's your true faith Newcastle United podcast. Newcastle United didn't beat Watford at home. You have myself, Alex Hurst, Charlotte Robson, Norman Riley, and Emil Franchi to talk to you about the impending doom, the feeling of loss and despair that we all feel on this Sunday morning after the match. Norman, mate, I'll start with you since you travelled all this way to watch that abject show yesterday, particularly after the first Newcastle goal. My question to you to start this podcast, mate, how does a team stay in the Premier League that simply does not know how to win? Oh, mate. First of all, can I just say, we did the um, immediate live show after the game last night and I was bereft. And... I said at that point, maybe tomorrow morning with a bit of reflection, I'll feel ever I'll feel differently and slightly more positive. I don't. I still feel I feel devastated. <laughs> like I'm genuinely devastated by that. If we'd scraped over the line with a one 0 win on the back of a terrible performance, I wouldn't have cared. You know, to, to quote a, a much loved, uh, much loved former manager, it's about the accumulation of points this time this season, isn't it? And um, that would have been fantastic. I, I probably would have discounted the performance, maybe analysed it a bit more, but ultimately it would have been a win, and we still drew, and it's devastating. And in terms of us, what, staying upright? How do we get out of this without being able to win games? I mean, we can't, right? We will literally need a, a turnaround of Leicester City 2014-15 uh, proportions. I've mentioned it before. They picked up the last nine games, seven wins, one draw, which is phenomenal form, right? And that, that gets them, what, that gets you 22 points? My maths is right. We kind of need that that almost kind of run to to stay up. Um, it, I, be, I believe in what Hill is doing in the sense that I can see that I can see what he's trying to do, right? He's trying to like change a change a losing culture. But my God, this job, I think, I think it's probably surprised me how difficult it's been for him. I, I hadn't realised that the squad was so lacking in confidence that it, it it'll take a kind of Herculean to, Herculean performance to turn it around. No, I mean, it's it's really um it's really dispiriting. I hate to say it, but I feel really dispirited this morning. And you think we're going down? Statistically. Has there been a club that has been in this position at this point of the season after this amount of games that have stayed up other than perhaps Leicester? I think Leicester, but even then, I think Leicester had something like 17 points at the end of February. We Are we going to have 17 points at the end of February? Who, who knows? Um, so I have to say that, yes, based on historical evidence, we are going to get relegated, barring a miracle. Uh, I don't want to I quite admit it to myself that we're going to do. So what I will do is I'll do an objective and a subjective opinion, right? Objectively, are we going to do? Aye. Subjectively, we're staying up. <laughs> Handy. Handy. <laughs> yes, uh, yesterday was really disappointing. And I suppose for, for me, as much as the result, and we're here to talk about the result and analyse the result and talk about what the future holds because of the result, 
the the performance was just it was like regressive. It was you know there's there has been a narrative. I've pushed the narrative that even in defeat there has been progress, and that's been all right. And in fact, it's been quite easy for me to attach myself to that, and it gives you a lot of hope. Last two fixtures, and now you have to include include Cambridge. It's not the forgotten fixture anymore because of because what we saw yesterday. This this isn't a team that's progressing. This isn't a team that looks like it's moving in the right direction. And there's all there's a lot of if buts and maybe a lot of luck comes into it. There's a lot of who knows what if if certain things happened. The loss of Callum Wilson, for example, massive. The fact that Newcastle seemed to be in a good um, place after that Manchester United game. A lot of fans pleased. The Everton Southampton fixtures were called off. Wasn't so sure of myself at the time because of that momentum that we had. Mm. Um, and in hindsight now, not that it probably changes anything because you trust the club that they cancelled those fixtures in good faith um, because they weren't able to fulfil the fixtures with the, with the first team. I don't know where we go from here because when we go to Leeds next week and we're going to get into Eddie Howe later on in the show, if you're starting to get to the, the stage where if Newcastle lose badly at Leeds it can get quite messy quite quickly. Because if Newcastle lose badly at Leeds, and I'm going to the game, I hope we don't lose badly at Leeds, we might not lose badly at Leeds. The the the, the sound of criticism, the, the, the questions of Eddie Howe and his coaching team, and the owners to an extent, will intensify. Um, from an owner perspective, Eddie Howe had two players um, that improved the first team yesterday, walking in January. Most managers in the Premier League don't get that in January. You could say Newcastle's need is greater than most others, but Eddie Howe has been backed somewhat on the transfer market. Maybe we'll talk about that later. Come to the other guests on the show. Charlotte, start with you. Um, Norman, you know, very despondent. Uh, do you share that despondency? Yeah, I walked away from yesterday feeling really depressed and really disappointed. And you can hear that I was shouting at our players and my voice once again. <laughs> it, it is head and heart, isn't it? It's like my head says, yeah, of course we're going down. Norwich went above us yesterday and everyone thinks they're nailed on relegation for rele- relegation. They're above us. Three times as many wins in Newcastle. Yeah. yeah. And and they've we've got a game in hand. I think they've played one more than us. Burnley are at the bottom, but they've got something like 10 games in hand because they've had so many called off. I just really struggle to see us coming back from this. And, and it's because we're not beating teams like Watford. It's because we're not beating the, those teams around that zone. Like, how are we going to beat any of the other big teams that we've got to play? I just, I don't know where our points are going to come from. And my heart says, oh, keep the faith. We might sign, if we sign a central midfielder or if we sign a centre-back, we're like, well, maybe maybe we can maybe we can strengthen. And But I, I, I just, those players will need time to bed in. They need... They need to train. They need to understand the project and all of that stuff. And it's it, it's such a big task that it feels overwhelming now. And I I just don't know if we're going to do it. Failure to beat Watford, Brentford, Norwich, Leeds, Southampton at home in the Premier League just screams relegation. It just screams relegation. When when people like me, if we ever have relegation battles in the future, you always look back at the previous fixtures and seasons or fixtures of seasons to see what went wrong. That right there is what has gone wrong. Now we're fucking shocking away from home. <laughs> we're absolutely dire. So if we can't beat those sides at home, we've been saying it since the start of the season, since Steve Bruce, who are you going to beat? Watford had lost 10 of their 12 Premier League games yesterday and they deserved something from that game. And I come back to the performance aspect of it. And that's the thing. You know, you had the Brentford game and the Norwich game. I don't think Newcastle were the better side in both those games, even Norwich were 10 men. Newcastle weren't the better side yesterday. They didn't deserve, they didn't deserve anything. Their performance at 1-0 
was abject. It was abject. It was lacking leadership. There was no one in that team, in that whole team, who, who said, hang on, lads, what are we doing here? Let's get men in the box. Why, why is Chris Wood not being crossed the ball in the second half? What's the plan here? Mm. We're going to talk more about the specifics of the game later. Emil, I'll, I'll come to you, mate. Um, you know, this is a, this is a, an honest space. <laughs> People can, can get things off the chest. What do you want to say about Newcastle's relegation prospects? Much like the others, uh, complete deflation after that one. Um, you could just feel it in the crowd around you. I mean, everyone just didn't give up, but everyone knew that that was it. Everyone knew that Newcastle weren't going to get another goal and try, and as much as we get behind the team, as soon as they concede, um, which we've seen quite a lot recently, even that, everyone was like, oh, Howie, man, this is this is never going to work now because of what we'd seen in the second half. It was almost inevitable. And, and the same thing happened with Cambridge. It's happened so many times this season. Um, very much like Norman, I am looking at the history and thinking getting a bit desperate now but that being said and I know we're crap away from home I know that we really have the odds stacked against us there is always that um, idea that we might be one win away from instilling a bit of confidence in them and that can be the turning point and you know we, we talked about the the draw with Man United same time last year we got a, a weird nil-nil against Liverpool um, and then we still went on a bad run and managed to to turn it around so who knows? The owners have got a job on the hands, a bit of a uh, putting out fires once again. Same with Cambridge. It was like, right, we need a striker. Oh, we're going to get a striker. This week, you know, Merdad, if you're listening, we need um, about six others this week before Saturday to get them in. Um, Defence needs shoring up. We need that marquee midfield signing. Time is running out and we need to get these players in if they're going to be able to do it. So there's a lot of work to be done and I'm I'm losing faith as, as an eternal optimist as well. It's bad when I start going this direction. You know, it's bad. I think for, from our point of view as supporters, we are going to get some closure quite soon because if Watford win the two fixtures that they have before we play Leeds on Saturday, I'm calling it now, it's over. Mm. If Watford go uh, eight points clear of us, eight points clear when we have accumulated only 12 points this season, it is over. Uh, now Watford play Norwich and Burnley at home Oh. Next two fixtures, <laughs> and if they if they win those games, that will put us and and, and Leeds still have to play this afternoon. Uh, if Leeds, you know, if Leeds and Everton don't get anything, um, sorry, if Leeds don't get anything at West Ham, we'd still be seven points off them before the game next week. If you lose that game, you're ten points off them, eight points off. What is done? I'm calling it now. You can sign who you want. It is done. It like normally you use the word Herculean. It's like. It, it's just it's just simply not possible to witness what we witnessed yesterday and suggest this team is going to win maybe three or four more fixtures than these other sides. Despite you can sign anyone you want, like it's it's just simply not going to happen. Particularly without Callum Wilson, Newcastle can't win without him. Newcastle don't look threatening without him. His loss has been his loss has been seismic. Uh, I'm going to ask some questions of the transfer window and the owners potentially later on in the show, but. To, I don't know if anyone else wants to say anything about the relegation picture in uh, in part one of the show. I appreciate for listeners. This is a pretty downbeat podcast, though. I'm sure you expected it. We have to, we have to face facts. It's as like I said, it's as much the fact that the performances have just gone, like to to go from the progress that we saw um, from Howes come in to the regression of the last two fixtures suggests that the the players the players don't believe. I think, and, and if the players don't believe, it's just simply not going to happen. Totally agree. Totally agree. I think the biggest one of the big concerns for me is that we have thrown away 
points from winning positions on nine occasions a season, which is three more than I think the nearest side to us. That suggests a lack of self-belief and a fear creeping into the game. Team takes a lead, fear yeah. creeps in. Also, we concede a goal, the other team equalises and we drop, we absolutely drop. We can't create anything after that. So right now, it's almost like you, you kind of, you, you look to pinpoint maybe one or two reasons why things aren't working out, but it's, it's across the board for us at the minute. Yesterday, for example, prime example yesterday, we got one up despite not playing particularly well. I don't think Watford had any great shakes, but you know, the counter-attack pretty well. They did put one under pressure. They had a couple of good chances, obviously. Um, but ultimately, we took that one in the lead. And right at that point, that immediately, rather than lifting the players and the performance, it, it almost made them panic, which is incredible. There was, there was a collective fear of, oh no, we're in the, we're in the lead. How do we keep hold of this lead? What do we do? Like what, literally, what do we do from now on in? And that's when you started seeing even, like, you know, the, the kind of little mistakes creeping in the game. Whereas, let's say, for example, Dummett had been solid in the first half, a lot of work on his plate because he's got Maximin in front of him who doesn't do any defending, but all of a sudden there's a little bit of space starting to appear behind Dummett. There's a little bit of panic. There's a little bit of miscommunication between the centre-halves and the full-backs. And it's there you start to think when I was in the crowd yesterday, what was screaming out to us was leadership, leadership, leadership. We get in, we have that, that centre-half in that we've been desperate for years. You might have seen something ever so slightly different yesterday in terms of the organisation, pulling the players together, telling people to kind of keep a lid on it, keep calm, but now, what happened was fear creeps in. And the moment fear creeps in, it escalates really quickly. And I think it got to 80 minutes and we're still 1-0 up. But I'm, I'm in the back of my mind thinking, we're not going to see this other line. I can see it. We're not going to see this other line. And as you see, Alex, no matter who we bring in now, even regardless of the other players that we needed six weeks ago, let's say it's going to be it's going to be something spectacular to get out this. But I will keep clinging to Leicester City. All right, 14-15, <laughs> seven wins in nine, one draw. That was against Sunderland in the state-up. So you know what? Miracles Day happen, right? Yeah, two, two things on that. One is that we're lucky Watford scored so late in the game because, to Norman's point, we just panicked as soon as we were in, in the lead. Watford were totally like galvanised by that and then, mm. and then were pressing and pressing and pressing. They wanted to win. And if we had longer in that game, I think they probably would have scored another. And then secondly, you know, that panic creeping in, the only player on our pitch who was trying to calm people down mm -hmm. was Kieran Trippier. Yep. He kept trying, like he kept telling Lascelles to calm down. Calm, like Lascelles is the captain. <laughs> like it was just, it was just, uh, he, he for me was absolutely the standout player. He must be thinking, what have I done? But he, he's so good and is the only one who's trying to keep his head and our heads go. It's, it's awful. The fear as well leads to that frustration because you can see when players like Lascelles loses the ball, it's that desperation to try and get back to it, not because he wants to defend. It's almost like, oh God, I've got to clear this one up now. It's it's like a it's like working in a supermarket and people keep spilling stuff, but it's all his fault. And like he's just running at people and he's, he's sliding in, and there was there was just it, it got desperate at the end, and and it's 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 real fear amongst those players because they know that the crowd now are, are losing the. The faith to to keep it keep it going really it's, it's it's still a good job from the crowd but really there was more groans yesterday I think for the first time in since Eddie's how how came in yeah booze at the end and lots of them yeah. I, I just wanted to make the point about Martin Dubravka the only player at one one who was vocal you know Newcastle mm -hmm. trudged back towards the the centre circle what was it eighty six when they scored eighty eight eighty eight four minutes injury time yeah heads down. Trippier was clapping a bit, but Dubravka was like shout, shouting at his teammates, like mm -hmm. "fucking hell, lads! Like you need to be up for this." We, we, there is there is a crippling lack 
of belief that runs through the side that they they just know they're not good enough. And I suppose for for three seasons and even before, um, they've been a reactive side that have managed to play without the ball, managed to score goals on the counter, managed to concede more shots and more territory than their opponents, but somehow find a way. Can't do that anymore. They can't, it, like yesterday was a prime example. I talked about it on our on our preview that I was worried about us having to force the play with more of the ball, and, and we, we created very, very little. Just to pick on, on Norman points before, Newcastle have dropped 21 points from winning positions this season. Um, it's the worst in the league, isn't More it? than any other team. Yeah. It's a terrible statistic. <laughs> uh, You'll never sing that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, we're going to leave it there for part one. We're going to talk about the specifics of the game a little bit more. Uh, after these messages, uh, of course, you can get this podcast without these messages on our Patreon platform, which is £6.60 a month um, for about probably five to seven extra of these podcasts per week from me and my colleagues here. So we'll be back very shortly. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Charlotte, the game yesterday, uh, you want to talk about the, the the crowd and the impact the performance had on it. What would you like to say? Yeah, just, um, you know, the, the last league game we played at home was Man U and the crowd was unbelievable. It was just, and the game was, was pretty good and for us. And, um, and it was just the loudest I've, I've heard it in so long. Like everyone behind it, it was, it was just after Christmas, everyone's in like good spirits. Yesterday was a bigger game because of where we are and and all the reasons we've discussed in part one. And I don't know, it was it was a good pre-game atmosphere. The flags were brilliant. There's a Joe Linton flag now, which is lovely. Um, but there was a real tension. And as the game went on, and it became very clear that we weren't really making any chances. Obviously, there were the two Joe Linton chances in the first half, but not not really. Um. I don't know, it just felt really tense. It, it felt, it went quiet. There wasn't much singing. There was still, you know, the, the corner and and bits. And, and if we had a good sort of couple of minutes, there were there were, there were 
bits of singing, but it was really, it was just, it was so tense. And that has to impact the players, right? Like, that has to, they know, they can feel that tension. We can feel that tension. You could cut it. So, I don't know, I just, it was just a really strange one. I felt like everybody knew how much was riding on this. Um, and... And then at the end, as as you've pointed out there, that there were there were there were not an insignificant amount of booze at the end, which is just like this feels like a, a reasonably pivotal moment in our season from a from a crowd perspective since the takeover, at least. It's a brilliant point. It it is the first time it's turned. I don't think Cambridge counts. There wasn't much booing at the end of Cambridge. It wasn't anywhere near as important a fixture as this. I think that there are now questions that I'm starting to ask. Uh, which is natural. I don't. I don't feel any guilt. It's a lot of what ifs. What if Eddie Howe, who was out of work, is brought in four fixtures earlier after the takeover? Steve Bruce for one, Graham Jones for three. What if he has four more games to work with the squad? Work out what he needs. Work out what has to happen. What What if we have a director of football in ahead of the transfer window? Um, what if we make our signings? And there has been a little bit of a change in terms of a lot of the stuff I read on social media. I spoke to people, it was like January 1st, we need four signings. January 2nd, we need five signings. We've had two good signings. We're going to talk, I mean, going to talk about the signings in a bit. But but it, there, do, there does seem to be a little bit caught off guard here. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 it's, it's hard, isn't it? Because before these last, and this is one league game, that's basically the last league game was so long ago against Man United, everything is fine. You know what, I'm sat here doing podcasting, everything's fine, everything's going to be okay. And we've had one one draw at home in the 88th minute. Um, although Newcastle really, you know, Watford should have scored before then, two massive chances to, to do so. And it's kind of more Watford's failure than anything Newcastle do, despite a good save from Martin Dubravka. But you are starting to think now, what is it going to take to... To, to get to, to change things. Eddie Eddie Howe, it's just social media, but he was booed off yesterday. The whole team were booed off. There was no there was no togetherness. There was no onto the pitch. There was no let's go over to the corner and do a small lap. Those thing those things have gone based on yesterday. So it is a, it's a really interesting point that you make. Um let's talk about the two new signings, Emil. Yeah. Um so I was lucky to be at Cambridge so got to see a bit of Trippier the week before but um, it, it was much of the same from him and what Charlotte said earlier is is very much true of his performance uh, a lot of the people I spoke to after the game were like give him the armband give him the armband it's his now and it does seem like you've got that player coming in who has got the head to deal with those situations we know this from when he's played with England um, but yeah once again pinpointing passes and in my opinion I, I think slightly underused there's a lot of time where Trippier is in space okay it might not be what the game plan is but he's he's looking for the ball he's got his hand in the air he's trying to get stuff and, and you can almost see a slight frustration when he's just kind of sat there thinking well what am I doing Trippier once again is is just a class above these players and it, unfortunately a fullback isn't going to change your entire team's performance but if, if we had a little bit more quality like that Perhaps, as you say, Alex, a little bit earlier, or at least uh, people identified. I know that Trippier was one of the earliest ones identified, which is good, but he is just, you know, he oozes classy balls and things like that. And then you've got Chris Wood, of course, who's come straight in. Um, Not classy balls, please. (laughs) Oozing classy balls. (laughs) Oozing classy balls. I really don't want to think about that. That should be the uh, title of the podcast. Thank you. Um, No, but Chris Wood, um, straight in. The thing with Wood is that a lot of people are questioning what did he do but again service just wasn't there 
he was coming back quite a lot. It was very reminiscent of when Joe Linton was asked to just play up front on his own and wasn't getting anything and we defended that bit before we realised actually he's not much of a striker, is he? But Chris Wood is and and yeah, he, he made a nuisance of himself. I think he was covered by Watford players every single time. There was at least two sandwiching him in and there was a bit of shirt pulling going on yesterday across the pitch. There was a lot of shirt pulling going on and it, it was questionable, but we can't blame decisions, can we? It's um, it, it's a thing with Wood where he, he looks like a player who can definitely do the job that we want from him. But again, he's he's not as... Maybe Wilson's a bit more agile to get around players. I think he held the ball up really well. And I think that it's very t- it's very early to, to judge him on, on that performance alone. But I think it, it all boils down to the fact that we're so desperate for a win. We're so desperate for goals. Who's the striker on the pitch to- yesterday? Was it Chris Wood? All right, okay, well, he didn't score, did he? So what's the point? And it's like, come on, let's just settle down. So, you know, maybe he'll improve as, as the weeks go on. He's not had a lot of time in training. I'd like to see more. I just think he looked like a man who hasn't... I mean, obviously he's only had two days to train with us, but he just looked like a player who hasn't trained a lot lately. I don't know what his personal circumstances are. I know that um, Sean Dash was talking about that or, some, or something, but I just... I just... I don't know. I, I put my eggs in his basket. I got excited. I thought, brilliant, we've got a proven goal scorer, we've got a striker on. He just needs longer to bed it. We just need, we just need a time machine. That's what we need. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So Would yesterday gave a performance that suggested we have midfielders who don't create. And it actually, if you look at the statistics, and I did see this on a social media platform that I won't name, but uh, so it may well not be accurate. It's Twitter. Um, <laughs> but, um, oh, I was like, yeah, wow, what, what are you yeah, 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 yeah. I was on, I was on a Reddit thread last night, <laughs> two o'clock in the morning. No, um, so this particular statistic is indicating that none of our central midfielders have provided any assists this mm. season. Yeah. Jesus Christ. So, as I say, this is social media, right? But, you know, like, like, why would somebody put that on there? I mean, it's not like people But also, it's lie, believable, right? isn't it? It is believable, that's the thing, right? So, Wood yesterday, I've said this before, at Burnley, yes, crosses came in, right? Especially from McNeil on the uh, left-hand side. But a lot of Wood's damage that he caused when, he, when he's in good form at Burnley was Ashley Westwood's ability to put pop balls into the 18-yard box. We didn't have, we didn't have that yesterday. You had nothing to work with. I'll in, just come in on that point, mate. I wanted to make a very similar point. In the first yeah. half, in the first half, Wood was getting frustrated. What does he want? He wants first-time balls. Yeah. yeah. And I, I find it incredibly frustrating. And Chris Wood found it frustrating. I assume the management found it frustrating. The amount of times Newcastle players took a touch, checked back to the other foot, tried to play the fullback. Ryan Fraser was guilty of it. There's a point Sean Longstaff was kind of played through in behind on the right-hand side quite early in the game. And he took a touch and Chris Wood shouted at him saying, just play, like, just give me the ball first time. Yeah. Like, this is the game management aspect of it. And this isn't nil-nil. Like, Sean Longstaff and Ryan Fraser there. I mean, Anderson Maximin, he's just going to have to get used to it, Wood, that he doesn't particularly like to cross the ball. Like, we've just signed Chris Wood. Like, you have to go into that fixture knowing early ball is key. And for mm-hmm. them to not deliver it in the first half was, like, it's criminal. Yep. It, it... It, it just, it suggests a lack of planning. Now, I'm sure that's not the case, but it does suggest it. And then it got, it got worse, worse for Chris Wood because in the second half, we just didn't cross the ball. Yes. Didn't have any pressure. We had very little territory. We had very little sustained um, ball in the final 30 yards of Watford's half. Um, I agree with you, Emil. The ref gave Wood out yesterday. It never helps. It seems to happen a lot to us, but, you know, I'm biased Newcastle fan. I think it was against were. Um, 
you can come back to your point, no more to interrupt, but I just wanted to agree with you and, and highlight the f- just how frustrated Wood was getting with his teammates in the first half, and then they were just like, oh, well, you think this is annoying, we're just not going to cross the ball now. <laughs> Deal with that. Spot on. There's, I think it, it screams the you know out the necessity of bringing in... We do. We know how much we need to send off, right? But I also think that if we are to have any possibility of staying up, we'd probably need to bring in a centre midfielder as well, oh. a one that can work with Chris Wood. Now, you know, we can... For years on this show, we've mentioned how good of a footballer we believe John Joe Shelby is, but Shelby seems to have had these little bursts of form, and especially when a new manager comes in, then he kind of fades off again. And yesterday, we got back to old school John Joe where he was sitting really deep again. Um, long stuff yesterday. I'm, I'm not going to dig long stuff out because I actually thought his, his work rate yesterday was phenomenal. He was putting blocks and tackles in, but ultimately, a centre and field that we had out there it's not one that suggests to me we've got the creative creative capacity needed to to give the service to someone like Chris Wood and and you mentioned Maxi as well, i.e., a, a, a winger who doesn't necessarily like to, to cross the ball. So it's it's absolutely vital we get that centre midfielder, and then if we don't, then you know my ridiculous subjectivity of us staying up is probably going to disintegrate as well. I'm just going to say about in the first half, in, in terms of what was there for Wood, I think he had two headers but they weren't actually from crosses. They were from knock-on headers. Mm. So the, the crosses at all times were just so poor getting in there. And I, I, it was one of those games where it was just like head, another head, head it up again. It was just up in the air the entire time. And, and yeah, when he was in the box for those first two, I think there was there was two glancing headers where they were just a little bit too high. It made me question if Chris Wood is actually taller than the goal and it's making him just like miss it every single time. But no, it's not that. It's um, It's just the poor... Service, as you say, Norman, it's just really, really bad. Uh, John Joe Shelby, Premier League assists this season, zero. Yep, ah, there we go. go. Yeah. Knew it. Sean Longstaff, Premier League assists this season, one. Ah, no. <laughs> Man United, St. Maximilian. Oh, yeah. Says pass. Right. Yeah. That's, um, yeah, that's a loose assist, isn't sign it? Sign him up. Oh, yeah, y- you know, we'll, we'll not take it away from No, him. no, 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 no. I don't want to piss on his chips. Well yeah. done, Sean. Everton are licking their lips at the prospect of that. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, a million quid. <laughs> um, yeah, I am pleased you brought up central midfield, mate. I think it is a massive issue. We're going to talk about Eddie Howe now. Um, I remember Newcastle playing against Burnley with quite a strict four-two-three-one formation. Joe Linton playing in behind Callum Wilson, dropping deep as he di- as he does, getting on the pitch as he does. But Joe Willock and John Joe Shelby. Joe Willock's had a very difficult season. Very difficult indeed. Be like good game that day. Um, put in the cross, which eventually was turned in for uh, by Callum Wilson. Since then, and I think possibly for the Man United game, uh, Howe changed it to a four-three-three. He's brought Ryan Fraser into the team regularly since then. Didn't play right at the start uh, regularly under Howe, uh, and he's moved Joe Linton back. The Norwich fixture where we had ten men, Joe Linton moved back into midfield. All seems very reactive to me. Everyone loves Joe Linton. He has been a revelation. I'm not sure about him playing the centre field. I don't think he had a bad game yesterday. He does. He got around the pitch well. He got a foot in well. He protects the ball well. He moves the ball well. He travels with the ball. He does it all well. People disagree with me about this. Had some conversations with with some of the True Faith writers last night about it, saying they think he's doing great. They think he's fine. I our, our central midfield as a midfield three doesn't work. Why do I think Howe wants to play midfield three? He wants to play four at the back. Good. I'm behind that. And then he sees Alan St. Maximin and he thinks, I've, I've got I've got to provide more support here for, for the fullbacks. Um, 
and he plays a midfield three. I don't think it works. I think I think we have regressed since that. I think when we play um, teams like Man United, when we're going to have very little of the ball, that four three three works. I think when we have more of the ball, like we've done in the last two fixtures, it doesn't work. So there's kind of two things. I'll open up to the group here. There's there's well, let's talk about the big one actually. Alan Samaxi mean, um, what the fuck do you do with him? He has scored three massive goals. I'll, I'll make the argument for ASM. Someone, one of you, make the argument against. <laughs> okay. He scored three massive goals. He got a well point against Brentford. Crucial. He set up wins for his teammates against Man United and Watford. There's five points you could say ASM has 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 provided this team since uh, since Howe came in. Uh, is he top scorer now after after yesterday ahead of Wilson? He's the, so he's the team's top scorer. He's not even a striker. Um, if he's not in the team, we don't look like scoring. That's the case for Alisson Maximin. He doesn't do any defending and he can't help like that, but that's the case for him. Lots of Newcastle fans are very frustrated. Who wants to explain why? I think I think ASM, well, we were saying it yesterday, after he'd scored, it was it was fatigue. He was tired, so he wasn't moving as quickly. I mean, Eddie Howe was saying, like, get back into shape, get back into shape, and he was, he was walking very slowly back into his position, by which time the ball was already in play, and we've kind of lost a bit of momentum there. And then also... I don't know if it's an attitude thing. I don't know if I'm projecting something onto him there, which is sort of like, I've done my job, I've scored the goal. Um, like, it's up to the team to kind of defend that now. Um, could be. Um, I th- I don't think the answer to this question is removing him from the squad, but I don't know if perhaps an earlier hooking or bringing him on as an impact when we are either behind or, or it's at nil-nil, is a, is a better option. I don't know what the answer is. You also said, Norman, on the Match Day podcast that he was in front of Paul Dummett yesterday and they'd ne- probably never played together. I don't think, I don't think they ever have. And, and that's also a, a big question. They need to, they need to sync up. They, they were not in sync yesterday. Um, so, so I'm not really making the case... Against, I'm just kind of pointing out frustrations, I think, that we have with him. I think with Maxi, we're not seeing a player who is playing any worse than he was under Steve Bruce. What we're seeing is a different team and a different manager, right? So Maxi is doing what he's always done, which is try and run the game on his own. He's a maverick. He's not what you would call a team player, right? In, 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 that, in the sense that he is part of a, a cohesive unit. He is very much an individual talent. But what Howe's doing is Howe's obviously trying to instill this this um, system of play, right? A pressing system of play. And that's not going to happen with Maxi. Under Bruce, it didn't matter because we didn't press. What happened was Maxi was basically the only outlet, right? It was like, right, okay, we'd sit deep. Maxi gets the ball, he runs with it, something happens, right? Now, Maxi's still getting the ball, run with it and seeing what happens. But he's also in a team that is trying to play a completely different style. They're trying to press and he, and he can't. So I don't think it's necessarily a for or against argument. It's a, it's a systems argument. So is Howe... So, so, so solve that systems argument for me. What does he do? <laughs> Fix it. What's Norman. the solution? Well, he either um, transforms Maxi dramatically within the space of a week to a pressing player, or he keeps him on the bench and uses him, as Charlotte suggested, as a possibly an impact do? player. No, no, wait, no. What would I do, mate? I'm not being paid to make these decisions. <laughs> am I? Um, so, right. It, it's you see this, this is why I'm, this is why despite me obviously you know me desire to do so I'll never make a Premier League manager because I'd be like right Maxi Mean on the one hand 
I said this the other day, between now and the end of the season, right, he might play 14 games where he's non-existent and poor, right? And the team are doing all the graph for him. It's a struggle. He's getting hooked after 60 minutes. But he might, he might play three games where he scores goals like he does, right? And it might just be the difference. If we won 1-0 one, one yesterday, Maximin yeah. scored the goal. 1-0, yeah. we've won. We played terrible. We played terrible, but he'll dug out. Maximin, right? So the argument at the moment is the squad isn't strong enough to, to not have him in the side. That, that You could argue that, right? He's, he's clearly got more talent than probably every player on the squad in terms of natural ability. Um, Callum Wilson accepted, perhaps. But in, in terms of his pure ability to engender a goal from nothing, there's no one like him. But ultimately, we're in a relegation battle. How is trying to play a system in which a player like Maxi doesn't fit? So what would I do? I would say, Eddie, Eddie, what are you doing? <laughs> You've solved it. <laughs> do you not remember when so we talked? Do, do you remember when we talked about it at the start of the year when we were talking about you know what, what what's how got what can he do? Um, I suppose you maybe chatted about this on the the Bournemouth podcast that you did on the Patreon. Um, still available. Um, where people said that how doesn't have a plan B as such. You know there was there was a lot of talk of saying that he he struggles to implement this plan B. He's kind of got what he's got in front of him now, and it just seems to be kind of hopefully trying to make it stick. And I think that something like someone like Sam Maximan is that type of player that you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't, because there will be fans who think, oh, he's not starting, like, oh, God, what's what's how on about? So he's in a bit of a difficult position there. And if he, if he does start him, then there will be people who watch that game yesterday, especially the first half of Sam Maximan before he scored, and go, this guy's a waste of space. Like, he's, he's, he needs a rest. He needs, to, he needs to be there. So, again, we're not made, paid to make these decisions, but how is in a difficult position, I would say, when you've got a player like that who is just gold dust on occasions and gets you those not the points but sets up the points as you mentioned Alex so I mean I'd like to see him against that Leeds defence next week even though I'm saying that but I'm also thinking but God if he's trying to not run back or just not even attempt to run back while Rafinha gets past him after he loses the ball that also scares me so it's it's that fine knife edge with Sam Maximan where he is just incredible for about a, a split second that can get you those those vital vital goals or like I was yesterday getting very very annoyed by him and, and a lot of people around me were as well they were saying no you know what you mean you're just banning about at the back there and you're just doing this and you, you're doing it in the wrong place and Chris Wood's waiting there for you what are you doing man? just pass the ball just pass the ball pa, 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 pass the ball and we're seeing memes on Twitter now of people just having fancy footwork of saying like one hour later waiting for Sam Maximan to pass the ball that's the frustration now and it's a bit of a, a, a weird task for Eddie Howe to, to do because it would be a big call, big call to, to drop Sam Maximan for any game right now. Um, but maybe, a, you know, impact sub, we saw it. Perfect example was against Burnley last season. He came off the bench, transformed the game when we beat them 2-1 and that was a huge, huge result for us. Um, try it once, Eddie, it might work. I think your point about um, the opponent being the important uh, aspect in terms of using Maximin, right? If we're playing against a side that's top six, top seven. We're not going to have much of the ball. Um, he, he's an outlet, right? We're going to be sitting that little bit deeper because we're playing against better opposition. We're going to be trying to counter. He could be ideal, right? You know, certain, to a certain extent, you don't necessarily need it to be making runs back against teams like Manu against Man City because we're going to be that pending in any ways. We're going to kind of almost, we're going to almost like sort of try and block them coming through with the amount of men that we've got behind the ball. So Maxi means a great outlet, but against a team like Watford or, you know, Burnley at home, despite the fact that he can, he can destroy them with moments of magic, because we're pressing them, you could argue that actually he might be better coming off the bench in a game like this. So it's it's opponent-driven, right? So how was just got to look at it and go, well, who's the opponent? Yep. Is Maxi right for this particular game? As opposed to trying to like play a system that he doesn't really fit in or build a team around I think, him? I think the issue against that, though, and I'm not saying this is what I feel, 
it's just that if Alison Maxman isn't playing yesterday, Newcastle don't score. Pro- yeah. Probably, you know, I know Joe Linton hits the bar, he should score. Like, it's the other player should score. ASM tends to score. He's a, he's a top scorer. And that's, that's why I talked about this dilemma. How has... I really want to move on because we've got a little bit to squeeze in before the end of the show. Um, we're talking about ASM. The defence is shocking. Uh, yeah. That's a lot, of, a lot of stuff on social media is what... How we're going to win a game with his defense? I think there's an argument to say, well, why don't we try and score more than one goal in a game? That's <laughs> that would be a start. It's interesting to me for a number of reasons. One, there's two weeks left of January. We need a centre back. We need a centre midfielder. I believe Jamal Lewis is interesting to me. Talked up very much by Eddie Howe in the press conference this week. Paul Dummett did all right yesterday until he didn't, and then we conceded. We conceded a shit goal. A concern for for me on the left hand side is it's just so easy to defend. Like. ASM's frustrating people because he's being moved inside because he can't go on the outside a lot because the other team have two or three players showing him on the inside. Now, that worked to our favour yesterday when he scores doing that cutting in, but when he's in the middle of the pitch, he tends to lose possession. I don't believe Paul Dummett is the answer with St Maximin because he just doesn't provide you anything from an attacking sense. It doesn't create space. There isn't any overlaps. That was an issue itself. I also think Ryan Fraser, he's just got to do more. You know, you've got ASM on one side. We're all talking about him saying he needs more. He needs to do this. He needs to do that. We've got a player on the other side in Fraser who who how clearly trusts, giving us fuck all yeah. in in terms of an attacking outlet. I think he's got one assist this season. We need much more from from other players. I'm not just trying to say everything's fine with ASM. Um, you want to talk about the centre-backs, No, I'll give you that opportunity quite quickly. I've already touched on it, really, in terms of the, the fear element. I think what we saw yesterday was Shea and Lascelles operating probably at that at the capacity, right? The, you know, Lascelles blocks, wins headers, puts tackles in, has occasional mistake in him. Shea is defensively a little bit wobbly. He brought the ball up on a couple of occasions. He kind of reads the game quite well. They were doing all right. They were doing all right, let's say, right? You know, Watford didn't really have many clear-cut chances. Um, Joao Pedro... Um, didn't get that much of a sniff. I thought they kind of the, the, the coped all right. But the moment we went to goal up, as soon as Watford started attacking, when they brought for many around, when they started getting more play, players up the pitch, more balls in the box, the panic set in. And this is where eh, I find it difficult to lay the blame at the door of Lascelles and Shea in the sense that, oh, like, oh, they're terrible, get them a job. Shea cost three and a half million. Lascelles was, came, come as part of a seven million deal with Carl Dolo included. You know, this is the Premier League. You look at two centre halves who cost less than six million collectively. It, 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 you know, in real terms, it's. It, it's they are defending right now like the defenders that probably are. So what it tells me is that we really need someone in there who is isn't going to panic in a situation where we're one up in a relegation battle in a game against a team like Watford. And I think Shea and Lascelles collectively panicked yesterday, and that's me fear. We are desperate to get someone in there. Like it is absolutely. And look, if it was a choice between one more centre between a centre midfield and a centre half, I'd go centre half straight off. 100%. We'll move on then to finish the show with a couple of questions about Eddie Howe. One win in 10 in the league. That wasn't part of the plan. That wasn't part of the brochure uh, <laughs> that he sold the club. Um, very frustrating. Booze at full time. If I just go around the room, Charlotte, starting with you. Eddie Howe, are you losing confidence? I haven't lost confidence, but it's where it is It is being chipped away at, definitely. His record's not good. It's, you know, I, I get that there's more of a project. I get that he's more, like, tactically minded than our previous manager. He's, you know, but but we were talking about this before we started this podcast. He was out of a job for 15 months. And was it only Celtic that went for him, I think? Uh, no other Premier League club were, um, maybe the, I mean, they were. There they were, they were, they were jobs available and he was not 
he was not mooted for them. So, you know, you, you start thinking like that. You start thinking, is this the right job for him? Is this too big? And like, I also want to sort of caveat that with he has a fucking massive task on his hands because of the regression of the squad, because of the years of rot in the in the club as a whole. Like, that can't be understated, and I don't think that's his fault. But I don't know if this... I th- I'm starting to think that this is too big of a job for him. Neil? Yeah, um, to echo that, I think that I really... I understand the frustration that he's, he's come into a, a real, real mess, real mess of a situation. And once again, we've all said, if you'd asked us however long ago, if we'd like Eddie Howe with new owners at this point of the season, snap your hand off. But it, it, it is it is looking like this is just monumental in terms of what they have to do in order to keep Newcastle United up and afloat. Um, I've believed from the start, I've, I've enjoyed everything he's said. And, you know, every press conference that comes now, much like... Can I can so, I interrupt? Do you believe in him right now? Forget about the past. Do you yeah. believe in him right now? I think so, yeah. Because I think I think there's a there is a, definitely a performance in that team that is going to surprise us some point soon. And I know it'll probably be a four 0 against Leeds, but it's like, yeah, it, I I that's think fine. so. I think so. I, I would like you know I I don't want to lose belief because that's when it starts to become horrific. If you can't even believe in in the manager that's there, unless I spent two years not say. believing in the I know, last one. I know. <laughs> I'm all right. Well, like. I just don't see any point in in starting to really lay into him. Um, not to sugarcoat it, I think it's still it's still bad. But unless they are literally going to go right, he's gone. Here's the new manager <laughs> again. It's it's just going to look we're just going to look silly, and that's the bit at the minute that's worrying me. It's how we look, and I I, I know we shouldn't think about what other clubs think, but it does way heavy on, on us to be like, oh, well, you want, you didn't want Steve Bruce, you got Eddie Howe, he's the exact same thing. I'm just like, well, yeah, but like, he's, he's not talked the club down yet and he still gets the yeah, assignment. he needs to win some fucking games. Yeah. Like, That's it, I know, yeah. I just, I, I really want to, I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm not there yet. <laughs> Norman? I want to believe in him and therefore I will believe in him. Um, however, what I will say is that Watford sacked Kiki Sanchez Flores after 10 games and his record was similar to Eddie Howe's right now. So, I don't want to see him sacked, that's for sure. But at the same time, there is a brutality in the Premier League that suggests that, you know, if it gets to the stage where we lose to Leeds and Everton, the questions will be asked. Yep. Right now, though, I believe in him. Ask me again after Leeds next week, mate. Yeah. And again after that. <laughs> I'm sure I will. I'm sure I will. We're at the game, you and I. Uh, very quickly, uh, I still I still believe in him. There are doubts. Of course there are doubts because we're not winning games of football. And that's what he's paid to do, produce wins. I think there is some just you know discussion about you know the team is just so bad. I'm not I'm not sure I buy into that. I'm not sure when Norwich come to St James's Park and when Brentford come to St James's Park and when these lads yesterday come to St James's Park. I'm thinking fucking hell, their lads are great. Mm. Be hard today. Not thinking now. So I'm thinking we should beat this team. We have a higher wage bill. We have better players. We should beat them. Be great frustration with Eddie Howes. Looking back at some of his post match interviews. Uh, he basically talks about at Liverpool. He says, you know, we get the first goal and we're great. After that, we're dropped off. Against Cambridge, there's a goal in the game, and then we're dropped off. Yesterday, even Norwich, we were the better team against Norwich. We get the first goal, then we'll drop off. Yesterday, inexcusable. To have not learned from those situations, both himself and his team, that's on you, Eddie Howe, in my opinion. That's on you. We've talked about the weakness amongst the players. That's on you. You need to do better there. You need to make sure this team know when and how to score second goal in games or we're going to get relegated. We're going to leave it there. Thank you so much to you three. Thanks to everyone for listening. If you like these shows, we're on Patreon, £6.60 a month. 
Uh, come and join us. Loads to talk about this week in the build-up to the Leeds game. Thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye.